This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Hey, good morning, Chicago. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink. I am the CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group right here in the Chicagoland area. So if you want to talk with us or talk to Tom, ask a question, give us a call 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. Tom has amazing information up on his website that will be incredibly, incredibly helpful. Information about income planning, estate planning, asset planning, investment planning, and yes, tax planning. Everybody's favorite. 630-934-1855. You can call or talk to us. So, Tom, it was another crazy week of inflation Mm -hmm. and chicken. Chicken for the debt discussion, right? Mm -hmm. I'd rather it be fried chicken because that's my favorite. But I just literally can't believe the U.S. would default on its debt. I just just hear so many proclamations about Mm -hmm. how this would be the absolute collapse of the worldwide economy. Mm -hmm. But certainly the threat of it and the fact that they're all playing chicken with our lives uh, is enough to really rile people up. So, I mean... Don't you think they're going to really come to some sort of an agreement here this week? Well, I think they're going to come to an agreement or they're going to somehow extend it. They're not going to default on the debt. It's just not going to happen. And if it does, it's going to happen by choice because we've talked about this before. At least there's revenue that comes in each month. That never stops. You know, as we just talked about taxes. You made a comment about tax planning. Revenue is coming into the government just to pay the debt is... You know, anywhere number of forty to fifty billion a year. It's unbelievable. Just forty to fifty billion a, I mean, a month. <laughs> a month, I meant. A month. That's yeah. so much money. Like, think about that. I, <clears throat> you know, the only person who has more money than that might be Elon Musk <laughs> and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. And oh, wait, I'm just listing uh, all the major tech companies. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but other, it's, a, it's an it, issue. It, it is an issue. I just think, you know, just in general, you know, the idea that you're playing chicken like this, mm-hmm. politics, it's really mm-hmm. about how politics gets in the way of money and how people are, you know, using the money that we have. And, you know, it just, I've, I'm sure I speak for a lot of our listeners. It just, it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on, blue, red, purple. It's just annoying that every year we go through this and in the end, everybody agrees and we move on. Um, I just wish they would cut to the chase. Wouldn't, don't you? Well, you know, the thing about it is we need to do something. We see this and I would just say, how does it relate to us? You know, we can only control so much and obviously we can't control what they're doing right now, you know, for perspective, the debt, which is now approaching 32 trillion and will keep going. Um, it was 5.7 trillion when George W. Bush took office. So you can see this, this trajectory of this debt. It's, it's somewhat unsustainable. Well, it is unsustainable. You just cannot keep doing this. It's the old adage. How do you go bankrupt slowly and then all at once? Right. And so, um, we really need to be looking at some of these things. I would just say from the average person, as far as investing or as far as we just mentioned taxes, you know, down the road, what does this portend? Well, I, I don't know. I would, you know, I, I ask this in some of the classes I do, who thinks taxes are going down? Not many people raise their hand. If any. So <laughs> I say, look, this is an opportunity. As we always talk about the tax-free ideas, at least, you know, doing more things to get into Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. This is money that grows tax-free the rest of your life. 
And so these are things we can do in our own planning. There's no required distributions. The tax rate on it is always zero. So if down the road, if we, you know, the, the government needs to raise more revenue, taxes go up. That's money that you're no longer a partner with the IRS on. So these are some flashing signals to say these are some things maybe we want to start incorporating in our planning. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point as always that there's, there really is, there are some things that you can do. And even if you're in a higher tax bracket now, so taking and converting some of that money might push you into an even higher bracket. The question is, is that lower than what it'll be down the line? And are you better off, you know, taking right. the hit now than later? And the answer, you know, I think the answer is a little bit different for everybody. It is. The other thing I wanted to talk about, um, in terms of the news is that I just, you know, we've talked a lot over the last few months about the failures of Silicon Valley Bank Mm -hmm. um, and some of the other banking failures. And, you know, this past week, they were in front of Congress, some of the the former CEOs of this company, these Mm -hmm. companies, and basically it looked like they blamed everything and everybody except themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. you know... I'm sorry, your bank fails and it's like, you know, the second biggest bank failure ever. Mm -hmm. Don't just blame everybody else and go, well, you know, if they didn't raise rates so quickly, um, you know, we'd be fine. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That to me felt a little hollow. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a confluence of things. Certainly it didn't help. I mean, we know that when you raise the rates, it was the most rapid increase in rates ever. You know, basically went from zero, it's like going from zero to 60 in a couple of seconds, went from zero to 5% or whatever the exact rate was, you know, and so, of course, the, the treasuries, the debt that you held on your books was worth a lot less. So that was problematic. But you also have, you know, is the debt or the repayments of loans, which technically is an asset to a bank, you know, loans that are mm-hmm. to be repaid are an asset to them because um, there's a value to them. But some of those loans were just not the best loans. So that's part of it, too. So, you know, I do agree. It's not one person. It's it's just a number of things. But certainly the banks themselves, because not all banks have failed. There are other regional banks that have that have weathered the storm. And so, uh, no, it's not. It, it is. It's more than uh, just the fact that rates went up. Didn't help. But it certainly wasn't the, the primary or the, the total reason for that to happen. It was it was poor bank management was a lot of it. Well, I'm also getting updates almost daily and sometimes multiple times a day from a lot of the financial services institutions, and it feels like things are shifting. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing short-term interest rates go up, you know, for like, say, a 12-month CD, 12-month, not Mm 12-year. But the longer-term stuff is all decreasing, you know, so the short-term is going maybe from, you know, 3.75 to 4%, maybe a little Mm -hmm. over. 4%. The longer term stuff is now decreasing from, say, 4.1% to 4%, Mm -hmm. you know, just slightly. But Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, you know, if you're interested in those longer term bonds, you know, I think you kind of better, you better make a move, right? Yeah, we have to understand how they work. Now, if you get a three-month bond and I say, well, you get the three-month T-bill, you're getting over 5%. That's true. But what happens after three months? If interest rates come down or six months, that's why we always talk about potentially, and you can do this on TreasuryDirect.gov, you ladder bond. So you have a three-month, a six-month, a nine-month, a one-year. You can do this on CD. So you lock into certain rates. And the long-term treasuries, some of those longer terms, there's a demand for those because the idea is I'm gonna, you, can, you can still have appreciation on a bond. Right, you could buy a bond, a hundred dollar bond, and it could go up in value. If interest rates come down, there's an inverse relationship we need to understand. But not to get too deep into this, 
that whole bond piece of your portfolio, I agree. You might want to do some different durations that you own in your fixed. So, yes, a three-month or a six-month might be a higher rate, but what happens at the end of that time and now you have to renew? So we, yeah. we just have to understand how these things work. Yeah, no, there's definitely a directional change that seems to be going on yep. at least at least this week. Um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, so tough to talk to your aging parents about money, but more and more people have to do it. So stay tuned. We're going to tell you how on This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink with Best Money Moves here with Tom Fortino of the Alpha Wealth Group. You can find us online at alphawealthgroup.com. Call us uh, or text us, 630-934-1855. So, Tom, it is sometimes so tough to talk to aging parents about money. Mm -hmm. I mean... I don't know. Are, are are your parents still with us on this planet? Uh, no, my parents have passed away. <laughs> we we were able to talk openly. I can tell you that. So every parent, every family's dynamics are different. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, they certainly are. My mother, um, my dad has been gone for over forty years, but my mother has been incredibly open about her financial life and about all the things that she was doing and I think she kind of felt like she needed that us to know that as her kids as a mm-hmm. widow that you know there needed to be some transparency there which has been great but a recent survey by Wells Fargo found that 40% of the adult kids would rather discuss their parents death plans than their finances mm-hmm. I, I thought that was shocking what do you think you know, it's it, it's tough because I think if you talk to people, what's the reason for that? You know, some may say, well, I don't want my parents to think I'm just, you know, waiting for the, the money or I don't know. It's just tough to say what's the reason behind that. But, Wait, but, but they're saying in this thing that it's like easier to say, mom, what kind of a <laughs> casket do you want? Like, who wants yeah, to I have agree. that it's conversation, crazy. right? Yeah. You know, these are things, and we've talked about this before, at least with just the overall part of it. Estate planning is not the only piece of it because there's a tax consequence to it. And I think I quoted that um, that article the other day. This is one of the, I think, the big, biggest number of trusts, the IRS. I know we're past the, the filing date, thank God. But the biggest number of trusts I think ever seen as far as filing tax returns, because when there's a trust, there could be a trust tax return, which means there's going to be trillions and trillions of dollars. It's going to be the biggest transfer of wealth from one generation to the next, this baby boomer generation to the next, in the trillions and trillions of dollars. I think it's like 50 trillion. It's amazing, the number. But it's a discussion. Like you said, it's tough to have, but we need to understand um, and have this discussion because the first part of that is, yes, the estate planning piece. And then you can talk, as I said, there's taxes too. There could be potential estate taxes, retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks. Every penny is taxable during your life. Again, not on Ross. Okay. Yeah. But whatever rate is. And when you pass away, your children will have to pay a tax. Someone's paying the tax. So right. no matter what, there's income tax. So we just want to understand all of this. Start, though, with the right documents because powers of attorney. I have these conversations often with clients. I'm saying, well, do you have a power of attorney? financial power of attorney, medical power of attorney, because if you don't have these documents in place, someone will make the decisions for you. You will have to go into a probate court to get permission to act for your parent on your parents' behalf. So that's one of the parts. And then, of course, knowing where assets are and understanding where things are at. Well, I have to just say it's it's kind of interesting because recently I had a conversation with a woman whose mom <clears throat> owns a very, very successful business. And the mom is in her late 70s. 
and she's got I met her she's got every single faculty and then some mm-hmm. like <laughs> she's really on it but she's 78 and the dad just retired from the business a couple of months ago he's in his mid 80s but you know and it, when you're that age I mean I've seen this with my own parents uh, my mom uh, you know one minute you're fine and one minute something happens you fall and suddenly you're not fine um, and so I had said to this woman, I said, what are, you know, have, do you guys have a succession plan in place for the business? Mm-hmm. And she said, I do, we do, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have a plan whether you have one or not. Someone's going to make a plan. Um, I'm like, okay. And so how does that work? She goes, yeah, I'm kind of counting on the CFO to be able to walk us through it. I think she knows what the plan is. I said, I hope somebody knows what the plan is. But, you know, for this this you know woman in this family business, which, you know, has, has a lot of employees in it, like mm-hmm. 100 employees, really this kind of thing is so, I'm sure you've had, a, you know, situations mm-hmm. like that where you've got clients with successful businesses, certainly would push them over the limit in terms of, Money, the the money, the business has been profitable for a long time. So there's assets in a lot of different places. There's the asset of the business itself, mm-hmm. you know, that continues and transfers down. That's privately held. You know, how do you deal with that with some of the clients that you have when they've got these kinds of, you know, businesses and maybe they're sole owners or family owners or there's a right. family office? How does that work? Well, you know, I just we just did this. So we have an attorney that does all the estate planning. We always incorporate that into part of our plan. I mean, I'm an investment advisor rep, and we do portfolio management, tax planning, but always had estate planning as part of what we do. And so I just had we just did one a couple weeks ago, and they have a business, and just so happens one I think one or two of the children are involved. The two of them are not, and mm-hmm. so. This is makes it even more important. You may even have real estate, whatever that you know, in a business or or just pieces of real estate. One child may want the vacation property, other childs don't, children don't. So this is why this estate planning stuff. When we talk about it, is so critical. You can the the thing about a trust, creating these living trusts is you create it any way you want. It's your trust, so you can say, look, one of the children is going to get this this asset or this part of the business. And you, make, you can make accommodations for that and say, well, if they're going to get this, then the other ch- uh, child will get this percentage. Never, There's no perfect plan. I always say that. So don't get stuck on that. But you can accommodate m- almost anything. I have someone who has a ex-spouse client, and um, they're still very good close, which is really kind of nice. Very and nice. And he said, I want her to have the house if I pass away. She can keep it as long as she's living. You can create a life estate in a trust so that person can stay in there for the rest of their life. So there's there, there's so many things that you can, that people think, well, how do I accommodate that? You can. And again, not perfect, but you can put things in place. This is critical because if you don't do it, someone else will make the decisions for you. And then when we talk about children, wow, you create a really a huge mess for them. So Yeah, we just answered a question like this, Sam and I, in our syndicated column, about somebody who had, you know, they've had one trust and then they had this property that they owned with one of the kids outside of the trust. And she's like, now, if I die, what happens to that? And the answer is, well, how do you own title, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she, you know, the other part of the question was, and he's married and she's not on title at all. It's just the two of us. So how do we keep her from being wiped out? And the answer was, you either amend your trust to include a specific decision mm-hmm. about this particular asset, which you can do, right? right? You can say, this right. house over okay. here is going to be divided this way, but everything else is divided equally. Mm-hmm. You know, or 
you know, you set up a second trust, and that's just for that property, and you put that property into that trust, and so then that one goes according to different beneficiaries. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, people just don't realize there's, you know, flexibility in how you create these things, and if you want something to unfold in a particular way after you're gone, that's how you do it. All right, we have to take a short break. We've got questions. You've got, you know, been sending us questions. So thank you so much. 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. We'll be right back with answers to your questions on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Glink, CEO of Best Money Moves, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. You can find us online, alphawealthgroup.com. That's Tom's website. And while you're there, take advantage of all the amazing information that he has. You can also call or text a question, 630-934-1855. So, Tom, we had a couple of really good questions this week. Um, we Charlene texted in and asked, how do you think the stock market is performing versus money market rates? Um, and I think she kind of means now and going forward, because mm-hmm. I know there's been a lot of focus. We were just talking about how interest rates have been um, mm-hmm. going up, and some of them longer term on the bonds are going down. What do you think is going on there? Well, I mean, the, we always have to be careful about mixing stock or growth versus fixed, okay, in our portfolios or comparing the two. I mean, I guess you can compare the two, but understand if you want growth, the stock market is the place to be. Not saying it's not bad. Hey, we haven't had these rates in so long. You know, if I was having this conversation 15 years ago or longer and said, well, it's a 5%, someone would say, yeah, so. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to this. Yeah, what's the big... But we've been, it's just been such a long period of time that, and, and that's great. I mean, I, hey, I'm all for these fixed rates, but again, not to confuse the two, there's, there's the same thing. You can have, there's risk when you have the growth, but you also have the upside. It's, we all know that. But what I'm saying is you have to figure out how much of my money do I want to have in fixed? How much of my money do I want to have in growth? Because over time, and especially when we talk about inflation, the one place has been the stock market historically where we can we can have that growth to outpace inflation to provide for us and to supplement our lifestyle when we do retire. So if you're comfortable with having a certain portion in growth, you know, design the portfolio to do that. If you're saying, look, I'm nearing retirement, I should be balanced, 50% can be in growth, 50% can be in fixed. I mean, the market, of course, year-to-date is up and up significantly relatively to year-to-date. I know last year was a bad year, but the year before, 2020, the market, and I'm talking about the S&P, was up 28%. The year before, it was up 18%. You're not going to get that in fixed. Yes, there's risk, but this is where we have to kind of have a smart approach to how we invest and, and what we own. I also think that there are different, as you point out, you know, different ideas about growth, <clears throat> right? You can diversify your growth. I, it's mm-hmm. not just, okay, stock market versus bonds, right? Okay, right. W- are you buying municipal bonds, which might be tax-free? Are you buying, um, you know, an ultra-aggressive growth fund, right? Or the S&P 500, which is a really highly diversified fund. You can, mm-hmm. sector funds or exchange-traded funds can be used in different ways. And I think that there's a diversity to the growth where, you know, when you have this idea that you might want to have a, a you know a little bit of growth and a little bit of you know something that seems a little bit more uh, dividend, you know, we mm-hmm. don't talk a lot about dividends on the show, but dividends can be like bonds in some ways, where you've got this you know quarterly income coming in or twice a year, once a year, mm-hmm. whatever the the thing. 
you know, diversification of your equity is a strategy, right, Tom? Absolutely. I mean, we have a dividend portfolio. It's a pure dividend portfolio, a stock portfolio. We also have a growth portfolio. So on the equity side, you know, if you look at last year, value outperformed growth dramatically. This year, now growth is outperforming a value by quite a bit. You look at technology, one of the worst performing sectors last year. It may be the best, if not one of the best, right neck and neck with uh, with another sector out of the 11 sectors in the SP, best performing sector, which comes back to you can't time the market. This is why it's so critical to have an investment plan that makes sense for you, that you're comfortable with, that meets your risk tolerance and objectives, matches with your goals, and then you can stick to it. That's really the approach here. And then you have these things like in the fix, as we talked about. Not so much designed for growth, but to maybe to provide income, maybe as a volatility buffer. But this is how you approach it, and it's it, it comes back to that and being comfortable with where you're at because you know volatility is going to be part of this, and and it's just it's oh it's, yeah for a while. Yep. So uh, Janet wrote in and said, "I have some money on the sidelines." Based on the tax implications and the return, should I go with I bonds or CD money market? So she's looking for that more, I, I, it sounds to me like fixed versus cash. And I think mm-hmm. people make that mistake as well, right? A, a bond, I bonds are not the same thing <laughs> as a CD. And they're definitely not the same thing as a money market. Mm-hmm. So maybe let's answer that part of it a, a bit. Well, just like with stocks or just like with growth assets, which can include commodities, real estate, other types of assets, fixed is a combination of a number of things. It can be an I-bond, which is treated a little differently. It can be a CD, money markets. It can be corporate bonds. It can be foreign bonds, different types of fixed investments that are out there. Fixed annuities also have fixed rates. And we just talked earlier, Elise, about you ladder them. So your fixed pieces, in some cases, people may think, oh, bonds, they're boring or, you know, that's not. There's a, there's a lot more to it when you design a bond portfolio or a fixed piece of your, of your um, plan. So, yes, you're right. There's differentiation. You know, I would say maybe own a little bit of both in this case, right? Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, don't sell that bond strategy short, you know, right? The whole ladder thing that you were just talking about. You know, laddering is a is kind of time commitment, right? So you're mm-hmm. going to buy something now, and it let's say it's, you know, three years, five years, ten years, and then you're in six months, you'll buy another one of the same duration. That's laddering. Mm-hmm. But there's also a different strategy around buying a bunch of different things today that come due at different times, and then you start to replace them over time. As they come due, right? And mm-hmm. and also different types of bonds, right? Municipal sure. or corporate or, you know, maybe you really want to take a flyer and do, you know, some something a little more exotic. I don't know. I think there are some things out there. But, but that's where, you know, somebody like you, Tom, I think comes into play. Because as, as sophisticated as I am about money, and I think I'm, I'm decently sophisticated, yeah. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> I, I don't know all those ins and outs of the bonds. It's not anything I've ever really investigated. It's not anything I've, I mean, at a very base level, obviously, I know about it. But I don't know where to go find, you know, this kind of corporate bond paying this much money. And even if I could find it, I'm not sure I'd be able to buy it without the help of somebody like you, right? Yeah, I mean, the, as we talked about, just with bonds now, last year certainly was a wake-up call because we saw, we certainly experienced the, the relationship of what we call interest rate risk 
you know, obviously there's duration risk. There's the, of course, the, the if it's a corporate bond, there's risks of the solvency. But we certainly saw what happens with interest rate risk. There is that inverse relationship. And so, um, you know, maybe that's why we're seeing longer-term treasuries. Some people feel, you know, the opportunity is in maybe buying some longer-term because with interest rates going down, they can actually appreciate in value. But the bottom line is when you look at your fixed piece, you know, again, understand what makes sense and how you own it. Like I've had these questions, where should I buy I-bonds? I don't think there's a bad, you know, you can only do 10000 per year per person, but that's fine. It's not, that's not a bad, it's principal protected. You're not going to lose the money. So that's not a bad piece. It's just a piece of the overall fixed. And, right. Um, it just gets back to knowing what you own, knowing why you own it, and understanding what your portfolio looks like. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, just a little bit more of the Tom and Elise show <laughs> here okay. on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back to This Week in Wealth, everybody. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino of the Alpha Wealth Group. You can join the conversation, uh, text or call 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com and you can leave Tom a message there. And if you want to talk to Tom, set up an appointment, use the same phone number and use the same email address, alphawealthgroup.com. Uh, and six three zero nine three four eighteen fifty five. So, Tom, I was in Jacksonville, Florida last week for a business trip, and aside from the fact that I left my laptop on the plane, oi, I know, right? <laughs> I have to say, I'm I'm kind of starting to feel bad that everybody else in the country seems to have had this amazing home price appreciation, while those of us who live in Chicago. Not so much. Uh, mm. You know, we've got people, Sam's got clients who are still selling their homes for what they paid for it 20, 25 years ago. And I know I shouldn't feel bad about stuff like that, but I'm human. And I look mm-hmm. at my friends in California who paid the same thing for their houses 30 years ago, and they're now worth five times what they paid. And I do feel a little bad about it. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people look over other people's children. They look at they look at their investments and they mm-hmm. try to see how things compare and they look at how they live and they we're just, I think that's part of human nature. Mm-hmm. And so how do you help your clients stay focused on their own financial goals, their own finances and not get sucked up into that whole FOMO ver- vortex, you know? Yeah, it's tough because I it's not uncommon someone will get a question it's like what do what do the other people what's their typical situation? Where is where do they stand? And you know, everybody's situation is unique. For example, you may have, and I've had this before, where I have some people come in that have terrific pensions. I mean, um, you know, some are six figures, over hundred thousand. There's, you know, or both of them have worked in a, you know, in a job where they have pensions. No, those are uncommon now. But you know, the question then they have all the income they need, so they may not as need as many. They're not relying on their investments to provide the income. It's different from someone who has almost no pension. And so it's really, it always comes back to understanding, and this is why when we test your plan, I think many people are just not certain where they stand, right? And it's like, okay, how does this whole thing work? You've been accumulating all your life, you're putting money away, and now at some point you have to turn around and start pulling money out. And how does that work? I mean, my paycheck goes away. Now how do I get income and how does that work? So... The numbers, and you've seen them before, Elise, are relatively low on mm-hmm. what people have saved for retirement. Sometimes it's alarming. But, um, 
you know, the bottom line, again, is I just try to keep people focused on, hey, here's where you stand, here's where you're at, and here's how you get to that goal, right? So when that happens and they see it, I think that provides, I just had a meeting not too long ago, a couple came in, and I said, how are things going? We hadn't seen each other for a little while. They, they've been retired. He remember when, I remember when he was going into retirement, he was a little ang- anxious, and then you know, he said, it's just going great. We, I haven't had oh. to touch investments because I said, yeah, we haven't. What's going on? Did you need to start pulling money from some of the investments? We no, he said, in fact, he started fishing more. Now he's, he used to love to fish. Now we can fish. He was uh, told me he packed his whole freezer with fish, so, <laughs> which is great. I mean, I'm not a fisherman. I respect and appreciate it. Hopefully he's going to bring like me some. I like salmon and, and sushi. <laughs> he said he had salmon. I'm like, where did you go fishing? I don't know. So it's just, I think part of this whole thing is this uncertainty of that. And you have this fear of, okay, should I be doing something different? Should I invest somewhere? And all too, all too often, you know, that can, uh, that can, you know, not only cause some angst and anxiety, I would say, but that's really the important thing to understand this whole picture of where's in- income is coming from. How do I create a retirement plan? And so that's what we try to talk about. And that's how I help clients or individuals just to understand, because there's so many moving parts, right? Well, and, it, you know, it's yeah. interesting how time plays into it, Tom. So a very, very close friend of mine lost her husband when she was 43 or 44. Mm-hmm. And she was working. She's a lawyer. But, you know, she had two daughters to get through college and weddings. And she's like, what if I never marry again? And so, you know, she started working with a financial advisor a woman who specializes in women women who are widowed, young. Uh-huh. And I saw her the other day. It's been 13, 14 years since her husband died. And she said to me, you know what? I now know I can retire. And if I, for some reason, have to leave my job at the bank, I could retire tomorrow because of how great this woman has been mm-hmm. in helping me shape things. Like, you know, she said prior to working with her, I might have said to the girls, oh, you're getting married. Um, you know, I'll pay for the whole wedding. Now, uh, you get this much money, you can do whatever you want with it. (laughs) (laughs) And and if if that doesn't work for you, I'm so sorry. She's like, I'm I'm setting better boundaries. Mm -hmm. I have an understanding of what it's going to be. And happily enough, she remarried. And so, of course, there's, you know, he's a doctor and it all, it all has worked out fine for her. But even without that, like if something happens to this husband too, she knows she's okay. And she said, I just sleep so much better at night knowing that, you know, as I'm getting ready to turn 60, it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and I think, great. Yeah, and I think you guys, you know, a financial advisor that you can trust delivers that. Like that's a part of what you deliver is this ability to, maybe I don't have as much money as my neighbor, but I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most important aspect of it, understanding all of these things. You know, we always say income is the most important part because you want to have the money coming in. Hey, I need that to survive. Well, how does that work? And then we can talk about those other pieces. You know, we've covered estate planning and just knowing that all these pieces, I like to say being complete, right? And say, yeah, mm-hmm. I've got the income. I mean, I've had someone come in. I just had a couple come in the other day. She's 68. He's going to be turning 70. And they're still working, which is great, and they keep going to keep working. And uh, I said, "Did you know your husband is going to start taking Social Security?" She said, "Well, what do you mean?" I said, "Well, why wouldn't he turn out seven? At seventy, it doesn't keep growing. The delayed retirement credit stops. 
So he's going to be 70, I think, in the fall. So she, guess what? She contacted Social Security. They're starting to receive they, their check. She decided, well, I'm going to start taking mine, too. Between the two of them, they're getting like 80000 or maybe 90000 in Social Security that they were getting nothing before. And, and doesn't it, does that factor into the taxes, though? Do they have to pay money on that? Well, they're going to have to pay taxes on the Social Security. Social Security is taxable, you know, regardless if you have income coming in. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a calculation for that. Mm-hmm. But it's taxable. Up to 85% of Social Security can be taxable. And so there's a formula. It's called provisional income. But um, so that, regardless, if you have income coming in and you're over certain limits, your Social Security will become taxable to you. Um, now, that's why we always talk about planning to try to get most of it tax-free. You know, and I've said it before, if all your money was in a Roth, you'd pay no tax on your Social Security. But but they're so, still working anyway. So. They're still working, and even when they retire, they're going to have income coming in from rental property, so they're probably still going to have some of that Social Security is going to be taxed, mm-hmm. but it's coming in. Yeah. And so, so even if they net out, out of the 80, if they net out 40, let's say, um, because they're in the top tax bracket between you know federal and state... Is that yeah? Well, is, state there's no social security tax on social security. On, believe it or not, in Illinois. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> a break, a break for us <laughs> on pensions, social security, or the retirement accounts. But you know, even if, like you said, if they net seventy, eighty thousand, because I think it's even over ninety. But um, that's money that now will be coming in that they're going to have for the rest of their life. That's one piece that is so important for people to understand. I've had people that you know, there's widower benefits. Unfortunately, I've come across this a few times this past year. Spouse mm-hmm. has passed away. Uh, the surviving spouse, you can take widow benefits as early as 60. Again, there's rules there, but you want to understand all of these things. And then when you start to get a big picture and say, I get it. This all makes sense. Guess what? Uh, it provides the clarity and hopefully reduces some stress. And, you know, like your friend, it, you're just in a better spot to make good decisions. I could see, you know, I could have a few things that I might do with Social Security, an extra 40 net coming in for 50. <laughs> I, I can think of a few things to do with that. Unfortunately, I, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm nowhere near 70. So I'm going to have to wait a few more years and keep working. Um, all right. Well, you know, Tom, there are lots of good ideas here for people. And I hope, you know, you're thinking about, you're not, I want, I'm hope my goal for this show, by the way, Tom, is that everybody stops being as scared about their retirement and about the money and where it is and you pick your head up out of the sand and you make some decisions and I I kind of hope that as we talk about this stuff week in and week out and we're coming up to Mm -hmm. our second anniversary Tom wow people will start to talk soon (laughs) (laughs) I hope that if you are thinking about this stuff and you want to start making a change you'll give us a call or give Tom a call 630-934-1855 or start by going to alphawealthgroup.com. I mean, the easiest thing to do to ease your mind is to put it all on paper, understand what you have, what you own, what you owe, and where it all is. And if we're helping you with that, we're delighted to do it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Unfortunately, we're out of time, Tom, as we always are. Yes. (laughs) But we hope hope you'll join us next week. And Mm -hmm. um, so pour a cup of coffee, sit down, relax, and uh, we'll see you back here next week for This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. 
Tom Fortino is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Advisor. Alpha Wealth Group, WGN, and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors. Insurance and annuities offered through Alpha Wealth Group, licensed in Illinois. Tom Fortino and Alpha Wealth Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.